Welcome everyone to the special podcast from Cybersecurity Magazine. Today I'm joined by Hans Christian Rudolph and we are pleased to announce the best paper of 2022 from the Journal of Cybersecurity and Mobility of River Publishers, which was awarded to the paper on the controllability of artificial intelligence and analysis of limitations by Roman Jampolski. We are pleased to be joined by Roman to talk about the paper and the controllability of AI. Um, welcome Roman, congratulations on winning a best paper. Um, could you please start perhaps by introducing yourself a little bit and introducing the paper? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I am Roman Jampolski. I'm a computer scientist at the University of Louisville in Kentucky. I work on AI safety and security, which seems to be a very hot topic mm-hmm. right now. We just had a letter come out this morning with pretty much everyone in AI signing on, uh, expressing their concern about existential risks from AI. And uh, now that there seems to be some consensus on this topic, the question becomes, of course, what should we do about it? And that will depend on whatever we think we can control, super intelligent machines will have in the future. And it seems like it may not be the case that it's possible. That mm-hmm. paper essentially goes through all the find for why we may have difficulties accomplishing something like that. And if uh, that result is confirmed, then maybe instead of uh, trying to mitigate safety risks, we need to talk about limits to what we actually deploy, what type of systems we actually uh, train in the future. Great, thank you. And the title of the paper talks about the controllability of artificial intelligence. What does it kind of mean to you for an AI to be controllable and kind of what properties would it need to be controllable, I guess? Well, that's a wonderful question. So there is not even consensus on what that is we're trying to accomplish. Uh, Historically, Mm -hmm. a lot of this work fell under AI ethics, uh, AI uh, morals uh, work. Then people called it friendly AI. There was AI alignment, uh, control problem, AI safety Mm -hmm. and security is what I call it. But let's just say the problem. We're all working on the problem. And the goal is uh, to create those very capable machines to benefit from their intelligence, help us with science and engineering and economy, while at the same time, uh, we don't want any negative side effects. We don't want any bad consequences from trivial things we already experienced, like misinformation, deepfakes, logarithmic bias, to potentially future problems with uh, AI killing everyone, existential risk and suffering risks. So that's that's the problem and uh, let's say we start thinking about how can we solve it uh, it's likely we will need a toolbox of capabilities we would need to be able to explain how the system works predict its decisions be able to communicate with it without any ambiguity and you can go through a list of maybe a couple dozen of such properties and it seems like there are some fundamental limits to what we can do in that space so if you are not super intelligent yourself, you probably cannot uh, cannot precisely predict what decisions uh, a super intelligent system will make. Otherwise, you would be that intelligent and so mm-hmm. on. So after reviewing all those necessary tools, it seems like we don't have the toolbox we need. So it's very unlikely that we will be able to in control behaviors of that system. What do we mean by control? Uh, either directly instructing what what to do, and that always backfires. If you know about three wishes with a genie, you always regret your first mm-hmm. wish, you're trying to undo it, that's what happens. So if direct control is not what we have in mind, maybe it's delegated control. Maybe we want this 
smart ideal advisor who tells us what to do and it may be a solution which is safe but we're definitely not in control the system is making all the decisions and decides okay right now it's good for you to go to the gym and start eating carrots so that's your future so mm -hmm. there are shortcomings to all possible interpretations of what control really means mm -hmm was quite insightful reading through that paper and you mentioned some of those those shortcomings um, that naturally one when looking into this more more deeply you say at the moment we, we don't really have the the right tools can you take us and, and our listeners you know on, on that journey how you got to a conclusion that okay we will actually never have those tools or it's very unlikely that we will get to those tools to eventually control um, that worst case scenario, as you call it, the, the super intelligent AI. So some of those tools come from other fields of research, economics, mathematics, political science, and they have their own impossibility results. They're proven, mathematically proven limits to what's possible. For example, uh, in voting systems, we know that you cannot have a perfect voting system, which ideally reflects desires of each voter. There are ways to game the system where either you're not getting your first preference or there is a way to take over the election. So there are limits with aggregating our desires. There are mathematical limits uh, on mathematical proofs in completeness results. There are limits uh, in economics, but uh, what uh, I published a lot on is uh, limits in AI, AI safety work specifically. So one example you can accomplish in terms of trying to understand how large neural networks work, explaining them and comprehending those explanations. The problem there is that they're very large. We're talking about billions of nodes connected by really trillions of weights, which are adjusted constantly as the system learns and uh, keeps learning after deployment and the explanation the real explanation is the model itself so if i give you the model that's the true explanation for how decisions are made it's not very surveyable by you you cannot read through those weights and make any sense of it it's too large it's too complex so the model itself is useless to you you're not going to comprehend it then we have to simplify it. I can go and say, okay, give me top 10 reasons why this decision you made about giving me a loan, why was I denied? And it can simplify it. It can prune away a lot of weights and give you top 10 most important notes contributing to that decision. And it will be an explanation, but it's a simplified explanation. It's uh, kind of like explanation we give to children, then we don't feel like they're smart enough to understand the real explanation or don't want to waste our time. So they ask, where do babies come from? And we go, oh, I bought you at a store. That's the level. We were going to be lied to or we're not smart enough to get the that's one impossibility result in terms of explaining how the system works. And of course, we need to understand how it works to test it properly, to verify that it works in all cases we are concerned about. So that's one tool. But again, as I said, there are similar limits to predicting specific decisions. It's not enough to know what goal the system is trying to accomplish. In a game of chess, I know the system is trying to win the game. I don't know specific moves it's going to take. And uh, again, communicating. We communicate with those chatbots in English. English is natural language, very ambiguous. We have misunderstandings. Usually not a big deal. We're smart enough to figure it out after a few exchanges. If it's an important order, we want to get it right the first time. There is no room for ambiguity. So that's another result where we know that we cannot have 
perfect non-ambiguous communication in English. We need to have a more um, non-ambiguous language. Programming languages are somewhat less ambiguous, but even they are full of bugs. We know that. Verifying code. So somebody wrote this program. Is it even matching specifications we gave it? And our challenge, we can prove it up to a certain degree of accuracy with respect to a specific verifier. Who verified that verifier? Another verifier. So you have this infinite regress of verifiers. Assuming we got all this problem solved, we really somehow found, you know, not perfect solutions, but approximate solutions which are good enough to allow us to have access to those tools. What do we want those systems to do? And that's the value alignment problem. We need to align those super intelligent systems with value, uh, values of humanity. Problem is, we don't agree on those values. We don't know what they really are. They keep changing. And a lot of times after we say we want something, we later realize that's not what I wanted at all. I'm miserable now. Let's undo those changes. So every step in this problem solving approach is problematic. And the last 10 years of AI safety research, in my opinion, just told us about how difficult it is and discovered more kind of fractal nature of it. Every time we zoom in, we discover 100 new problems. But there is no solutions. We have not found anything. Okay, this part is definitely solved. We don't have to worry about it. We can move on. It's all about uh, just understanding how difficult the problem is and what are the consequences of getting it wrong. That, that actually brings me to, to one question that I, that I wanted to come to later, but this actually fits very nicely. Because you also, in the beginning, obviously spent quite some time reviewing past publications on, on the topic. And, and from what I understand, your take from it is that the, the AI control problem as a whole is, is rather poorly understood, um, not, not very clearly defined. Why do you think that is? Because as you say, that there has been lots of, of work on this and, and still it, it seems very yeah, elusive. <laughs> It's actually even worse. There is no publication on it. Uh, any papers, any peer-reviewed publications. I found a few blogs where people without proofs, without formal argumentation kind of say, well, I think it's solvable. My intuition says it's not solvable. But there is no research. This is uh, problematic. This is the most important problem ever. And no one so far has published outside of the paper we're discussing uh, anything like formalizing the issue defining what the uh, different possible levels of solution are and then proving that it's either possible or impossible. I recently ran a small poll on Twitter and Facebook just asking people, do you think this problem is decidable, solvable, uh, unsolvable, solvable in theory, but not solvable in practice? And there is a lot of split vote, but uh, only a small minority thinks the problem is definitely solvable. But this is the extent of the uh, research in this field. This is crazy. Goes to show that it's a very, yeah, very broad issue. I mean, as you mentioned, there are so many aspects that that play into this. It's not just computer science, right? It's not just not just cybersecurity, right? It's it's all these these different aspects as well. But, okay. Right, because we are talking about general systems. It's not just AI. It's AGI, general intelligence. So it would make decisions in all domains. It's not something where it's a narrow AI, we can test it, okay, it's playing chess, let's test, make sure it works for all the pieces, one piece, two pieces. You cannot brute force testing. 
you have to somehow figure out how to make it safe and secure in novel environments with new data after it keeps learning and self-improving potentially. So we have no tools for accomplishing that right now. So, so you mentioned that you kind of did that Twitter poll to see people's opinions on it and that people are doing kind of active research on this. Is it still the question do you feel that AI researchers have in their mind when they do research in this area as we develop uh, these AIs which are coming even more frequently used in like just society generally? So the research I see in the safety community is to take a specific very narrow sub-problem and try mm -hmm. to address it in a restricted domain, so a toy problem. And usually mm -hmm. those papers go, yeah, we did a great job solving it in this toy case, and uh, we don't think it's going to scale to the full model, but it's promising, let's do more work on that. So that's the state mm -hmm. of the art. Again, specifically on can super intelligent machines of the future be controlled? I haven't seen any published papers on that topic. In general, the field is less academic than usual. So it's not uh, completely crazy that a lot of it is blog posts. There is not a journal dedicated to AI safety and security yet. But even then I take into account all those uh, informal publications, there is still no formal philosophy. It's really just people sharing their opinions and intuitions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. So it's kind of coming from a kind of, you said actually that it's not so academic, this field. Um, why do you think that is? That you said? Well, for one, uh, the most cutting edge work right now is done in industry. And a lot mm -hmm. of those industry labs, they don't have any incentive to publish in conferences or journals. Their job is to make it go viral so they put out a white paper okay, journalists yeah. uh, publish on it and they get more traction more uh, publicity for the company and they can spin the narrative and if they if there is no pr issues uh, so for them it's faster and less uh, problems with dealing you know waiting for a year for mm -hmm. journal to be review your work addressing concerns of peer reviewers sometimes you get unlucky you get some very demanding reviewers so this uh, whole academic step is bypassed usually AI mm -hmm. safety on the other hand was born outside of academia and outside of industry it was a lot of just kind of genius level people some are high school dropouts working outside of that home field so for them it never made any sense to go formal they don't see much value in formalizing it so they publish mm -hmm. blogs and posts so it's a very interesting discipline it's different from any any other discipline I'm aware of yeah and how important is it um, within not just AI kind of safety and controllability but security generally kind of formalizing these kinds of things kind of asking those broader questions and really doing kind of more official research into it there are some benefits to doing it the formal academic way. For one, uh, as there is more and more of those blogs and forums, it's becoming harder and harder to figure out what one should be reading. Then you're talking about mm -hmm. traditional disciplines, you go to a journal like Nature and Science, you know that's the best uh, research on a topic, everyone kind of agrees on uh, what the state of the art is, whereas here it's quite possible I'm not even aware of what some of the great blog posts are because I never was exposed to them and there is not an easy way to find that needle in a haystack of mm -hmm. other blog posts. So that's part of the problem. Okay, thanks. I'm kind of bringing it back to the paper itself on controllability of AI itself. Um, 
as you kind of mentioned in the paper, you kind of look at the worst case scenario, like recursively self-improving super intelligences um, and the kind of difficulty with controllability of that. But when it comes to kind of those, like you said, those kind of more specific case AIs, um, like you're saying with the chess playing and stuff like that, is controllability of that still kind of impossible, do you see? No, for narrow systems, especially deterministic systems, we can definitely control their behavior because we know every possible outcome. There are only so many, even if it's a large number, so many chess positions. Simplify mm -hmm. it even more, a game like tic-tac-toe. Yeah, you can brute force every possible decision the system will make. You know what every position represents, strength, you have complete explanation. So we definitely can solve problems with narrow AIs. And a lot of people are suggesting that maybe that's what we need, just tool AIs for different domains, but never training fully general systems. And that could be kind of trade-off where we retain control, we get the benefits of those systems working without all the negative side effects. Okay. So do you see kind of a point where you lose that controllability? Is there like a specific a new there is system a of AI? The more general, the more independent and creative system becomes, the less control you have. So you mm -hmm. need to find this equilibrium between who's in control and how capable the system is. You can give up all creativity, all independence, and tell it precisely what to do and you are in control, but the system is limited in how useful it is to you. Or yeah. you can the other way, the system is perfectly independent. It can do science, engineering. It's great, but you have no control over it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find it kind of interesting, this balance between controllability of AI and then kind of really seeing what the potential of AIs are and using them for essentially what we wanted to use them for in the first place. Um, how like it is interesting because I guess a lot of your work actually is more like ethics and philosophy than perhaps like computer science and things like that. Right. So historically, that was exactly that. And the idea was that we will distill human understanding of philosophy and ethics and just encode it into machines so they make the same ethical decisions as humans do. Of course, the problem is humans are not very ethical. We disagree on our ethics, especially you can see it across countries, across cultures. Uh, what is considered very noble in one society can get you killed mm -hmm. in another. So that doesn't seem like a solution. And uh, if you have this very powerful agent, uh, think of like a dictator for life who's immortal, and you hard values in, maybe a hundred years later, you regret that you encoded those things. Think mm -hmm. hundred years ago, we had slavery in some places, we had, you know, no rights for women and so on. So it's a problem where you need to have a adjustable dynamic solution. You cannot just hard code those things in. And we're not very good at mm -hmm. updating those values as the process goes on. You don't want someone yeah. to do it on purpose where they do behavioral drift in a system, slowly moving its values mm -hmm. in a malevolent direction. Yeah, and like you say, that means that you've got to maintain a certain amount of controllability to then change those parameters later on if if needed, I guess. Right, so we want to stay in control, at least in the sense that if we don't like what's happening, we should be able to press undo button and take mm -hmm. over and fix things. Okay, and perhaps I think we can bring it back to uh, specifically cybersecurity and security um, a little bit. So, um, I mean, we've spoken about this in our magazine a lot, um, using AI um, within cybersecurity. Um, for people thinking about this kind of thing, 
how relevant relevant is this idea of controllability like now like how concerned should people be about it and what can they do really so when I talk about AI safety and security, uh, by safety, I mean uh, humans are safe from the AI as an agent. Mm -hmm. Then security is for AI as a system against hackers, against insider threat. No one should be able to take a perfectly friendly AI system and modify its values to where it becomes malevolent. So that's the okay. security aspect. And of course, you can use those AI tools for finding zero-day exploits for penetrating networks, all that is kind of standard cybersecurity approach. But here we specifically want to make sure that uh, there are now backdoors in those machine learning systems. It's possible to train them where a certain keyword or phrase mm -hmm. will set them off and change values, change how they make decisions, change classification it produces. So those things uh, already exist as existing uh, threats. And uh, it's proven that they are both undetectable and cannot be removed. So it's uh, quite frightening. A commonly released system could have those bugs which uh, someone, let's say, it's controlling election or something like that, and then mm -hmm. one party has access to those uh, backdoor keys. That would be a big cybersecurity issue, essentially, which, again, we don't have solutions for. No, definitely yeah. not. And also considering how, I mean, already technology in, in many areas is so complex that many cybersecurity issues go undetected for quite a long time, right? One. One doesn't want to imagine how cybersecurity risks and threats uh, would be impacted by, by, yeah, things like that. Like so we're starting to see that a lot of people rely on those uh, tools to help them in writing software, co-pilot, writing code. And yeah. if they introduce bugs, a lot of people just kind of look at it quickly and click accept. So they don't do enough debugging. And even if they did, the bugs those systems introduce are different from typical human programmer bugs, so even harder to find. And mm -hmm. we know with software, you release a product, then others build on top of it through API calls. So you have this uh, multi-layer system with bugs grandfathered in from many generations of software ago being reused and exploited. And we sometimes discover a bug which has been around for 20 years and nobody knew about it. So there is definitely mm -hmm. a lot of unknown unknowns in terms of what is already in those uh, code bases. Mm -hmm. And is this where controllability kind of comes into it a little bit? So controllability specifically is more about AI as an agent and us remaining control over it. I, I haven't found a direct uh, utilization in terms of cyber aspect of it, but uh, it's possible there is one. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Okay. Looking, looking a little bit broader outside of, of just cybersecurity, we mentioned, of course, um, one way to kind of mit not mitigate, but I guess uh, limit the issues, of course, focusing on, on developing narrow models and narrow AI. What else looking, um, you know, how the field was going to develop over the next couple of years, what else would you think is necessary um, in order to prevent that worst case scenario that you described? So the current models, those uh, large neural networks, uh, transformer-based models, are definitely very uncontrollable from what we can see. They have tendencies to generate falsehoods, to lie essentially, and we're not very good at correcting them. We kind of know how to filter them at the final stage. We can say, okay, never say this word, but 
we're not very good at changing the actual beliefs of a model. So there are other approaches to doing AI. We have 50 years of history of AI. They are not as successful, but maybe some other approaches would be easier to explain how they work, easier to modify and control. So I think uh, five years ago, no one knew about transformers and it wasn't on the table. Maybe a year or two from now, we'll discover a different approach which will overtake existing models and will be more likely to be safety and security friendly. Mm -hmm. um, great. And on that note, as we kind of come to the end of our time, um, can you talk a bit more about kind of the future of your work in controllability at AI and kind of what you'd like to see moving forward? So I continue publishing on different tools we probably need but don't have. Another big one mm -hmm. I'm about to release a paper on is monitorability of AI. So we talk about uh, with this letter I mentioned about governments and international organizations trying to control what is allowed, what type of mm -hmm. infrastructure can be dedicated to those projects, monitoring uh, use of cloud compute, in those systems, but to enforce this legislation, you need to be able to monitor what's going on with those systems. And I think there are also very strong limits on what we can do in terms of just understanding the capability of a new model as it's being trained, capability of it, even if it's uh, already done training and being tested, it took months to test GPT-4 and we keep discovering hidden capabilities. It's not mm -hmm. obvious what the system will be able to do even to the creators, the designers of a system, because it's learning independently. It's learning from data and the internet. So it has a lot of hidden capabilities. Or oh, maybe it speaks some other language. Maybe it can do some interesting physics we are not aware of. So there are strong limitations in our ability, at least live, at least while it's running, to know, okay, we hit this level of capability, let's stop. So if we have, for example, legislation saying you should not train systems beyond human capacity, well, how would we even know? Uh, run can take six months. If we sample throughout the runtime, uh, it takes 10 times as much time to test what the system is capable of as it is to actually train the system. And so it's quite likely that we will train right past that uh, human level capacity point and get into super intelligence before we even realize that's happening. Thank you, Hans. Thank you, Roman, for joining us. And um, yeah, congratulations again on um, being awarded Best Paper 2022. Thank you so much. Thank you.